The Lord be with you. We have with us, is it working? Maybe I have to adjust things. Um, oh, okay, I'll adjust it. This may not be on. Uh, Sven Schumacher from Lutheran Child and Family Services, who's going to tell us about the, the bunch of work they do there. Um, it's a historical organization, really. It goes back, what, to eight? 135 years, 1850-something, 83. So, yeah, 1883, it was started by a couple of uh, Lutheran churches that felt a need to serve uh, orphans. And from there, it has just grown as the needs changed in the community. And now they're involved with uh, child protection services and court system and taking in children on immediate notice when need be and so they've got a lot of needs. He's going to share some of the things they do and maybe how we could be a part of that uh, through our uh, board of missions. So, Thank you. There you go. Does it work? Nice to have you. Does the sound work? I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. Yep, maybe. I don't know if I can. Let's see. Try something. On. Better? Oh, yes. there we go. Yeah. Okay. Very good. First of all, thank you so much for the invitation. Pastor, thank you for your leadership in time of transition, but uh, I saw the picture earlier, Nebraska, pastor coming, and uh, he, I heard he is a tall fellow. You told me that. <laughs> so uh, I think it's uh, Im very important for any congregation. I travel... Um, a lot to many of our congregations, so it is, uh, it's an important move you're making, and uh, I wish you uh, all the very best uh, with, with that. And uh, he will be here ready for Christmas, is that right? He'll be here next week. Yeah, and an installation is on the 9th in the afternoon, so uh, good, good news. So I'm Sven Schumacher, have been here actually many times over the last 20 years that I have uh, served at Lutheran Child and Family Services, but my themes were always German, Germany. And uh, you probably know why. Of course, uh, not only because of myself, but uh, there has been a heightened interest in this uh, congregation for a long time uh, about Germany. Now, I have to say, I, I met a whole family that is uh, excited about Germany here earlier, too, and so I feel right at home, and uh, we could speak in German, but we don't. Is that right? We, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Vielleicht ein bisschen, ein bisschen. Okay, no. All right. But, um, of course, um, it is not surprising that I'm interested in Germany because I am from Germany, but the amazing thing that happened 20 years ago that I uh, started to work at Lutheran Child and Family Services that was founded by German immigrants. And uh, so I, I want to go a little bit back because I think it's a fascinating history on uh, why, why are Lutherans so involved in trying to solve our toughest issues in society. And you might not know, but uh, Lutheran service organizations all across the country are one of the largest providers of social services in the United States. So uh, next to Catholic social services, Salvation Army, uh, Jewish services, 
Lutherans are right there and are providing a tremendous amount of, uh, of care to, to many, many different people. And so we are part of that uh, tra tradition uh, since 1883. It was uh, interesting that uh, a few uh, churches came together. And of course, whenever you hear about the good old days, I have to tell you, they were not always as good as they sounded, you know, the good old days. Uh, even in the 1880s, when there was mass immigration coming from, especially from Germany, but from Ireland too and from other European countries, uh, I, I did a little bit of research. Indianapolis was a relatively tiny place. I mean, it was fast growing. Sometimes we think, oh, gosh, look how Fisher's is growing. Nothing against those days in the early, in the late 19th century when millions of people came, especially because of the railroads and other opportunities here. But very quickly, the people in our churches, pastor like, like you, figured out some, there are some problems, there are some things that we have to solve. And in those days, it was, they started an orphanage. And uh, it was uh, started on Washington Street. It, uh, all of the old notes are in German until 1919, until World War I. Actually, they, they held out two more years to keep the German thing going there, uh, where many of our churches, I think immediately in 1917, that's 101 years ago, from, from now immediately had to cease German operations and German preaching. But uh, at the agency there, they, they kept it. And then from one day to the other, then the next board meeting, everything starts in English. And it's um, interesting that they, uh, that they uh, focused on kids, children's issues. And there were some uh, terrific issues already. Uh, of course, in those days, it was all only for Lutheran kids. So one could call this uh, a self-help organization. Do you know, in the, in the olden days, uh, do you know, uh, it was basically only for Lutherans. So uh, actually, I, I remember there was a letter from Fort Wayne about three Catholic kids. And the board decided, no way, we're not, we're not doing it. It's, uh, that, that's, that's the days, of course, there were limited resources. And the groups were just able to take care of each other. And um, of course, it was that German background that meant um, you know, everybody had to do their own thing wherever they came from. And uh, it was interesting, too, that you might, might chuckle um, I read in one of the notes, as they said, in, in those days there was already a Protestant German children's home. It was uh, called Pleasant Run Children's Home. Some of you might remember it was for, uh, founded at about the time of the Civil War. So there was a German Protestant children's home. But the Lutheran pastors came together and thought they needed a Lutheran alternative to the Protestant children's home. Anyway, so, you know, whenever you, you bring some people together. But uh, those days are long, long uh, behind, but it uh, started out as a little log cabin, and there are some funny stories uh, about the founding. They, I read that they, they, they hired a, an orphan father, and he was paid in 1896, he was paid $300 a year, and he, but he was allowed to bring his own cow I thought that was a nice perk in those days because they had a little farm there on Washington Street 
uh, and Lazal, that's on the near east side. There are no more farming today, but in those days it was. And then since that time, things are moved rapidly. And in, 19, in the 1950s, the agency moved across the street from Community East Hospital. And they bought about uh, 20 acres of land there and started the children's home there because the old orphanage that was built in the 1890s was basically, and that's interesting too, now in the, in, starting in the 1930s, the state became involved in the care of children that are abused and neglected. You know, big, big change. And, and I don't, don't want to get into the whole discussion of church versus state, but it is interesting that when the agency was founded, there was no state involvement at all. It was all basically private philanthropy. And then, but uh, over time, things became uh, more and more involved. And so I, I read in the 1940s, they said, hey, you either built something new, but this old place, it's not doing any more for kids, for safety, safety issues and whatever. And so they decided to build, with the help of our churches, to build a new campus there on the east side. And uh, when I came there, we still had those buildings. And we had about 30 children there. Uh, that's 20 years ago. And then since that time, we, uh, we did some other investments. And Linda, you were there. It's quite a, quite a place, huh? Because you, 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 you kind of... It's a state-of-the-art facility on the east side that we built in the last uh, 20, 20 years. And uh, one of the things that we found out was that um, some of the children that needed our prayers and our concern the most in those days were sent out of state because they, uh, the, we had no facilities uh, in our state to take care of them. And so these... Uh, 13, 14-year-old boys and girls were sent maybe to Colorado and to other places because they had the facilities there because we had no secure facilities in the state of Indiana. So in, the, in, in our old orphanage, if some 14-year-old uh, some says, make me, do you know, I, I'm just walking off, they could. Do you know, they could just leave the facility. And some of our kids uh, needed a little bit more at least in initially, a little bit more uh, help and a little bit more structure than to just take off. And so, uh, so in the 19, late 90s, a, a new facility was built. It was one of the very first secure facilities. I'm not a great fan of having a key for everything, but sometimes you have to, you, you have to get somebody's attention, so to speak, and you have to figure out a way how to get kids involved because so, so many of our kids, sadly, are behaviorally out of control. And if they just don't want to go to school, they don't go to school. And there are no parents around that help them to do this. So uh, we have to create a lot of structure. And with that, you have to have a facility that can provide the structure. You know, And our old building that was kind of like um, these 1950s tri-levels. They were kind of really popular for a while, uh, but very difficult to supervise if you have 30 kids living there. You know, you always have to go up, up and down, and who is where and what and so on. So uh, that was a big, big step. And then uh, now we are really, in some ways, a more of a psychiatric facility because some other important thing happened that our state 
psychiatric facilities were basically closed one by one. Uh, when, I, when I came not too long after, uh, Central State Hospital was closed. And maybe some of you remember that was really a very, very large facility, and I'm not a fan of it, saying, oh, this is, this is a great thing, but they were places for people to be. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe not on the scale that they had uh, in, in the days, but uh, there were certainly some safe places uh, for kids to be. And so we took over some of this role of uh, helping kids that are more psychiatrically involved. Uh, one of the things that we have figured out uh, a long time ago is that we cannot do everything ourselves. So uh, collaboration is a big word for us. It's not a, not a bad word for us because some, some people are maybe sometimes are forced to work with each other, with others, but we have a wonderful relationship with community hospital. And uh, I think, again, I'm pointing kind of to Linda. One of the things that's interesting, when you come to Lutheran Child and Family Services, you see everybody walking around with a name tag, other than myself, uh, with a name tag that says community hospital. And so it is interesting that our nearly 200 employees that we have at Lutheran Child and Family Services, most all of them are employees of Community Hospital because we have, we cannot call it a partnership, but we have a way to work with each other because Community Hospital is providing the psychiatric aspects of our care. And uh, when we discussed this some uh, seven years ago to, uh, to have an arrangement like this, we, we met with our church leadership. And uh, I remember that uh, President Dan May, that I think some of you know, he is uh, the president of the, um, of the Lutheran Church, or was, just retired recently. He said, of the district, right? And he, he said, wow, what, a, what an amazing idea for you. You could really focus on the spiritual care you know, Lutheran Child and Family Services in this partnership. You have Community Hospital that works on the psychiatric care, and we can serve the children and the staff on the spiritual aspect. So I have a little, and, and I want to tell you about this program, because you, you might think, gosh, where can we get involved with things? Where can we, as a church, getting involved with things? So. Uh, there's a program that we have that we founded immediately. It's called SEED, S-E-E-D. And it's Spiritual Engagement, Education, and Development. There has to be always something like this. If, if you don't have something like this, you're not having a real program. You have to have, like, Spiritual Engagement, Education, and Development. And that's our spiritual outreach to the children that are at Lutherwood. Of course, it has to be voluntary because the state is sending and judges send this, the children. But interestingly, Brady, and I, you, you have, you, have you been on campus? With, yes, I, th I think so. Uh, Brady is our uh, director of uh, Christian education. And he has, every Wednesday, we have chapel. And uh, we have about 60 kids uh, on campus living with us, and uh, nearly 40 kids are coming to chapel voluntarily. That is actually better than in my church. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <coughs> Membership versus attendance. 
they actually do better. And uh, they are very interested in, uh, in, in some of the tough questions that young people have, do you know? Especially young people that um, have had a very, very difficult time. They have a lot of tough questions when it comes to spiritual aspects. One thing that we do is we do a spiritual assessment with all of, the, with all of our young people. When they come in, Brady or uh, Pastor John Kolb meet with, with the young people and they have a little inventory to go through just to figure out where young people are. One interesting thing is more than 80% of our kids pray regularly. We immediately saw that as a really important challenge because how can we help with prayer life? I mean, big job of, of any pastor is, is helping and, and teaching how to pray. And so uh, that's one of those aspects and, and, and many others that come along. Now maybe you say, how can we get involved with this? One of the things that we have, we have, we have six different units where kids live. Two for girls and then four for young men. And on most of those units, we have uh, once a month a group of volunteers coming and just basically spending some time with kids. Most of the time it ends up being starting out with a Bible study and then maybe some little hobby things. And it's amazing for our young people. Some of them are sadly have been in the system for a long, long time. Looking over there to my former colleague, do you know? Yeah, right. Who you, you know a lot about this. Do you know? I mean, you, kids have, do you know, they have, some of them came into the system as, as babies, and they, they kind of know what to say to a social worker like me. I mean, just, I, I'm, I'm realistic about it. I'll tell you a little story of a few years ago. I saw this 12 year old, and I said to him, Hey, what brings you to Lutherwood? kind of introduction, you know. He said, anger management problems. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, wow, that kid really, in a way, already knew what to say to get somebody like myself off the back, you know, <laughs> just to, hey, okay, I'm doing all right, don't bother me, I'm fine, I'm getting through this here, you know, but that's not what it's really all about. And so when our volunteers come in, they react totally different, and the kids know it. Do you know? They are, they are just regular people, like, like what I sometimes call, we need to have normal people to help, do you know, the, the, the kids. And it's an amazing program that we have now for many years. So if anybody is interested, I have a brochure, and Brady might be interested to hear. Now, some of you maybe say, oh, wait a minute, week after week, because we, in this program, we cannot have kind of this... Um, um, hit and run kind of philanthropy, do you know, where we kind of like just do something for maybe one time and then we never be, because our kids have seen that a lot, you know, in their lives, that they have people that said, oh, I help you, but then kind of people were gone in, out of their lives. But uh, between Thanksgiving, that was just on Thursday, and Christmas, if you can just imagine, if you live, have to live in an orphanage or in a treatment facility or however you want to call it, it's very, very tough. So I went there 
on uh, Thursday before we had our meal at home. And I just visited with the staff and the kids. And there we had volunteers from one of our churches. Actually, it was my church, but anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, 12 volunteers that helped the staff to, uh, you know, to have a nice, nice lunch for the kids. And staff really put a lot of care in it to have a nice lunch for those kids that were not picked up by family members. And I have to tell you, there's, well, there are boys and girls at Lutherwood that on those big high holidays, how I call them, they wait for the last minute that maybe somebody from their family still picks them up. And maybe mom promised to come by. And then 12.30 runs by, and it's not going to happen. And they are then, then kind of back. And so we, we spend a lot of important time that we have some other folks that are just there, do you know? And they give out the food, and they maybe sit together with some of the kids and help the staff. And it's tough for the staff, too, because, I mean, they, like in every hospital and every other place, you know, they are not with their families. So it's a, it's a great day. But this is one of those little things that could be done. And right now we're assembling a group uh, for Christmas. Do you know, if there's, there's families out there that said, wow, we can maybe do this 1130 do you know, 11.30 to 1 or so. So if there is some interest in something like this, let me know because that's an opportunity to get involved. Uh, there's, of course, always opportunities for young people to get involved, to do a food drive or something or special, special things we, we need. And I think, did I communicate? Did we communicate it with a list to you on things that are... Yes. Okay, good. You know, they... Agencies like ours always have some big old list of things. And some of the things are really, really important because uh, how many more hours do I have here with this thing? <laughs> Let me make sure. Five more minutes? Oh, oh, okay, good. Oh, good, good. All right. Because one of, one of our programs uh, that we have at Lutherwood, and then I will tell you other things that we do. But at Lutherwood, one of the programs is uh, for girls that are survivors of trafficking. And it has been uh, for uh, basically the first unit of that type in the state of Indiana. And uh, it came about in the following way. Uh, we have the emergency shelter, too, for kids over the age of 13. And that emergency shelter is basically a place where in the middle of the night, police finds a child somewhere in, a, in, in an unsafe situation or the, the officer of family and children had to come in and remove the children, but they, they didn't find enough relatives or uh, emergency foster care, so the children have to be somewhere. And so they, they bring them to us. Sometimes in the middle of the night, doesn't matter what hours, 24 hours. So anyway, on a, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, evening time, we got a call from the FBI. And uh, in general, it's not the greatest thing if you get a call from the FBI, but uh, because, and so we thought, oh, what's going on? Do you know, we had no idea. But um, it, the call was uh, the following. They did a sweep at a hotel that they sometimes do, trafficking sweeps and they uh, found uh, three girls. And uh, two were from Chicago and one was from here. And they, of course, the agents didn't know what to do with them. So they said, can we bring them to 
Lutheran Child and Family Services. We said, okay, do it, because we will figure out the, the, the paperwork the next day with the judge, because Lutherwood is not a place where you can just walk in and drop off kids, you know? There's some kind of orderly fashion how this all works. But then there's something interesting. that So our staff, of course, monitors what, what the kids are talking about, and all of a sudden they heard that two of the girls, let's blame it on the ones from Chicago, let's blame it on them, were talking to other girls about the great life out there on the streets and how much money is involved and how they are traveling and they're going places and they're wonderful people that take care of them and whatever, you know. So really, in a way, I think any of you that have maybe ever kind of checked out a little bit what trafficking and how this all works, they were basically recruiting right under our noses, you know, trying to recruit some other kids into, because that's how this all works. It's a, like a giant, in some areas, like a giant pyramid scheme, do you know? And so we said, wait a minute, we cannot do this. And so this alerted us to the issue of, uh, you know, we needed to do something more specific and specializing. And so that's what we, what we came up with together with Community Hospital, and then a wonderful group of people called Ascent 121. And Ascent 121 is a counseling group that works, that knows how to work with trauma. Because one of the things that we have found out very quickly, most all of the girls that we have in the program have been traumatized before, somewhere, you know, in their lives. And so you have to have people that are specializing how to work with, uh, with girls or with boys, doesn't matter, but in, in our case, girls that, that are traumatized. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough work and uh, cannot just, uh, you don't want to re-traumatize people in the process of helping them, you know? So we have to be very, very cautious. And so for the last uh, six years, we have this program. And it's, uh, it's maybe one of our toughest program because the call of uh, the street is very strong you know, and uh, often enough there are drugs involved and other things, uh, but we have uh, saved uh, uh, lots and lots of girls, you know, that would have come to, uh, ve into very, very dangerous and very difficult situations. And so uh, just want you to know that Lutherans are working on the front line of this issue at home. You know, I mean, there are Lutherans that are working in faraway places on these type of things, but we're doing it right here with the help of our churches and individuals. So uh, that's um, a little bit about, uh, of course we have a school there that we run together with Indianapolis Public Schools. And that's, uh, you know, because the kids cannot go to public schools, so they school is at our place, and that's, uh, that's important. And then we have uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and every, everybody that you can think of involved. Kids will uh, stay with us about, on an average, about nine months. Do you know? And we work very intensely with the families. Because most of the, for most of the children in the child welfare system, the overall idea is re family reunification. It doesn't work always, but it's in general the goal, do you know? Because we don't want to take care of, as society of kids forever if we want to strengthen up families and lift up families that they can do the job. It's not always happening. Many times we have two plans. We have in one pocket, we pull out 
family reunification, but then we have another plan too if this doesn't work out. And you can probably imagine because of the opioid crisis and other things that you probably read, um, read every day in the paper, things are a little bit tougher. But uh, it's still an amazing place and I just want you to know we are involved in this. So the other thing as Lutherans, because sometimes you might wonder, what are Lutherans doing other than going to church? on Sunday and caring about their churches. They do a lot of stuff. So the, the last thing I want to tell you about, we are on the front lines of another important issue, and that's the war against hunger. And uh, uh, again, you could say, wow, is that really hungry kids? Is this a real problem, or is this kind of a made-up issue? And you know, we are the richest country in the world. And we probably have more food than any place, even more food than in Germany. No, I mean, it's just like, do you know? I mean, so you kind of, in a way, think about what is that issue really all about? But the truth to the matter is that every day, uh, children go to school hungry. And if they go to school hungry, then they probably don't learn as well. And then we have all these ripple effects that come out of this. So, for the last 40 years, Lutheran, it started out with our women's auxiliary. We are Lutheran Child and Families, so women's auxiliary. It, um, I, I tell you another little story because it's kind of funny how some things in social services work, kind of, and they work kind of full circle. So uh, we had a women's auxiliary of women that were involved with the, with the kids for probably the last more than 100 years. And when I, uh, even when I came uh, 20 years ago, we, we had a, a group of women that were doing a lot of wonderful things, little drives for Christmas presents and all of these kind of things. And they were doing uh, visiting with the kids and some of them, these were still the olden days when we were mending things, you know, pants and things, you know. That kind of got out of fashion. Uh, and so, um, actually, the caseworkers and whatever, they, they, yeah, anyway, less people that even know how to mend things. But there was a whole little sewing place down in the basement of, of the place, and the women's auxiliary did those kind of things. And, um, but it was kind of interesting that it was the days where we thought that Every social problem, if you put enough professionals on it, you can solve it. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, we, in a way, in this country, as probably started in the 1960s, 70s, maybe 50s, actually, already, that we thought, gosh, if we professionalize all of our problems, then we can solve them all. You know, we just have to put enough resources on and enough, you know, well-educated social workers and whatever, and so these, these uh, groups, um, I'm a social worker, master level social worker, so I know what, our, what social workers did. They said, hey, if you wanna, wanna help, you better get a degree, you know? I mean, we, we don't want this kind of, like, people that just, you know, wanna help, that's not enough, you know? Actually, you, we, you might actually do more damage, so you need to stay out of it. 
And that was a clear message of the, of the professionalization. There was another interesting thing that happened when, when you, the more you get professionalized. What is a, what is a hallmark of being you, you, of a professional? What's the hallmark of this? They have a degree, and what else? You have to go to them. That's number one thing, do you know? And the best thing would be somewhere between Monday and Friday, between about 10.30 and 2.30. Friday, maybe 12 o'clock. Do you know? <laughs> Afternoon. That's a hallmark of a professional. Do you know? I mean, that's, that's how it happens. Do you know? If you want to see somebody, you better, better be in those times. Otherwise, you become an issue. Do you know? And so uh, our social workers got this a little bit too. Do you know? They said, okay, I'm, if, if you have a problem, see me and here are my hours. And then we, of course, know that most problems that families have are not happening between Mondays and Fridays between 9 o'clock and somewhere in the afternoon. They happen when? Friday evenings, maybe. Saturdays, do you know? Or Monday mornings. Kids don't want to get, get up. Say, hey, I'm not getting up. Mom, make me. My mom is already late for work. She will be one more time late for work. She will be fired, do you know? So anyway, this kind of professional model that pushed out the women's auxiliary. But the women's auxiliary, they said, hey, Okay, let us do something else. Let us start a food pantry. And that's what they did 40 years ago. They started a food pantry and uh, gave out food. And uh, of course, in those days, it was a totally different model. The, the, the women kind of knew what was good for the clients, you know? So they packed little, you know, bags, and there was probably in a German place was probably some sauerkraut in there and a couple other, couple other things. And, People said, hey, if, you, if you're hungry, you better eat this. Here's our bag, and that's what you get, do you know? And that model worked for a long time, and we, nobody really questioned it. He said, hey, if, you're, if, if, if you need help, take what, what you get. But um, we, over time, said, hey, this model is maybe not, not this greatest. And so we um, started to professionalize our sharing place. That was the name of the place, sharing place. It is still run by volunteers. Uh, we have uh, one paid person that helps organize, and it's over on the east side of town, inside the Lawrence School Corporation. Lawrence School Corporation. It's in the old Craig Middle School on Sunnyside Road, and it serves, this year, it serves 70,000 people. So it's a big, so we, we, uh, we were approached by, uh, by, by gleaners and by other folks and said, can you guys step up your game? Because if we really want to win this fight against hunger, we cannot do this on the Monday between 9 and 10 and only sauerkraut on Wednesdays and this kind of thing, and you have to be so-and-so. Uh, we have to be really doing this in a big way. And we said, wow. We might be up for this. Now, yeah, um, and so it's, it's, it's working. It's working. It's, um, we are probably on, at capacity there. So if, if somebody says, wait a minute, I would love to do something there uh, and, and learn more about the sharing place and how to do this, because A, we always need volunteers, but we always need food. And for some people, it's, or for a church, it might be easier to say, hey, let's maybe do with our young people, a food drive. 
or something, you know, or there's some, there's a million different ways how to do that. And it's, uh, we have even a list here, canned veggies, canned fish, laundry, hygiene articles, pasta, whatever, I, I pass it out to you, you know, makes it relatively easy. These are the items that are always needed. Now, um, at the sharing place, we are, of course, trying to look at some of the other root causes of hunger. Because I mentioned earlier, it's not just, I mean, there's enough food around. I mean, if, if you think how much food is wasted, it's pretty shocking in, 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 in our country, how much food is actually wasted. But some of the food is wasted because uh, especially fresh items, they only are fresh for a certain time, and then you better come up with something. And so uh, there has been a great movement to move more fresh items uh, into pantries. You know, years ago, the only food we had were basically Chef Beaujardin, the canned stuff, spaghetti and whatever, you know, those kind of things were basically, and were probably some of the most unhealthy food you could find in America was in food pantries, you know? Including some of the crazy items that finally in, pan in home pantries worked itself to the, to what are we gonna do with this can that we bought seven years ago? And we better, you know, we better come up with something, you know, and so, that, that kind of interesting mixes. So we, uh, we have now much more fresh food. But then the next thing happened is that the clients didn't really know what to do with the fresh food and with the fresh vegetables. Now I have to say, when I sometimes go, there are more and more interesting vegetables showing up. And you have maybe seen this in your own grocery store. You say, wait a minute, what is this? You know, I mean, in, in Indianapolis is becoming a much more kind of uh, diverse place, and, and there, there are all kinds of interesting things showing up at our shelves. And so even with a, a, hobby, co a hobby koch, no, hobby cook, koch, cook, uh, like myself, I, I sometimes think, what in the world is this? And so this kind of stuff shows up, and so our um, volunteer said, Let's do cooking classes, do you know, that deal with some of the things we are getting, do you know? And that has been a great success, to, to look at this, and we do this together with Purdue Extension, and uh, have these cooking classes, and it's just a, a good thing. And so we are looking at other things, too. What are some of these, uh, do you know, issues surrounding poverty and hunger? You know, they're all kind of, in a way, connected. One of the things that we were thinking about is to maybe look into uh, maybe providing some legal help. Uh, a lot of people that are hungry uh, and have sometimes legal issues, legal, or they might not even know they have legal issues too. And so we're looking at that to, 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 know, to add things. And, uh, but uh, this program is really very, very important that we have support from our churches. Yes? Good, good, very, very good question. Uh, it, it is, of course, in a way, 
emergency is still the, the, the overall idea of, that we are providing something in an emergency. But uh, of course, you have to then to wonder when there is an emergency every single day. You know, and uh, so it is to some degree argumenting, you know, argumenting uh, what people get through benefits. And um, uh, have you ever have you ever been in one of these poverty simulations? It's kind of like a it's, it's kind of an exercise of kind of getting an idea of what it means to be poor in America. It's done by the United Way and by other other folks, and it's amazing to learn that if 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 you're qualifying, for example, on food stamps, and that is, you know, did you make the sign again? Tiny, it's a tiny, you know, uh, it is very very tough life, and people have to figure out where all the resources are, and have to really uh, be nearly like professionally. Going, going after this. So we, we see all kinds of people there. Uh, we see a lot of children uh, we, with, uh, with parents or grandparents coming up. And another group that has increased over the last years are the elderly. You know, that uh, we, we see there too. Uh, we see a lot of uh, people, that's why we had to make some changes with, our, with the food we have uh, that come from uh, maybe Mexico maybe uh, uh, Central America. We, 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 we have seen a, a great interest in, in uh, increase in that too. So we have to be kind of more uh, uh, culturally uh, competent and uh, sometimes even with our food offerings, you know, and so we, um, and, uh, but uh, Glenas uh, as our main provider uh, of food on the, they are kind of like the wholesaler, or we are kind of the little neighborhood store. Uh, they have, um, so we got, for example, uh, a few years ago, we got a van, I mean a real transportation vehicle, because we needed to pick up so much more food from churches and from other places. But it's a, it's a terrific program, and it's relatively easy to get involved with it, you know? I mean, a church maybe just like yours gets kind of a little bit in the mindset, okay, we know about sharing places, that's a sharing place, that's what they need, and uh, then you exactly know where, where it goes to and how it's happening. And it's, it's really uh, an, an amazing place. So that's what I have for, for you right now. And uh, I want you to be, uh, number one, I want you to put us in your prayers. And I have the bulletin. There is this easy opportunity. I don't know why it is so tough for our churches. You have week after week, you have prayer requests. And I have to tell you, we have a boatload of them. <laughs> and I can make it easy for you. You can just say, staff and clients or kids at Lutheran Child and Family Services. Now, I have to tell you, these prayer requests, if you do it, there, there is another benefit out of this because you are thinking for a second, oh, Lutheran Child and Family Services. We are in a way connected with them. We are at least connected in prayer. And so that I would recommend this. I'm not sure who does this, but you probably know who would be. <laughs> or shall we may wait for the new pastor? Guilty as charged. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but I'm, I'm just saying, sometimes people think, oh my God, hold on to my wallet. There he is again. Do you know? <laughs> hold on to the wallet. 
it's not immediately all about the wallet. It's about things where you can easily say, wait a minute, why not? Why not have a, for the heavy lifting they are doing there over there on the east side on behalf of all of us, why not put this in their prayer? Easy, relatively easy thing to do. So the other thing is, uh, there are some volunteer opportunities. There are some things that you could do, or the other day it's a neighbor, but they are at Holy Cross, and they said, uh, Eagle Scout. I, didn't, I was not totally sure what Eagle Scout is, but you, you know, yeah. Right, right, exactly. But they are special projects, and it would be easy to say, wait a minute, is there maybe for, for an upcoming Eagle Scout in this congregation, maybe there is something that we can do at Lutherwood, do you know? And actually we came up with a really neat project of planting some trees. Because Lutherwood has become a little bit more like Luther Prairie lately because of our trees are old and then they have to come down and so he's, he, this, this kid is getting involved doing something there. So there's a number of things. And then, of course, there is a possibility uh, to have a line item in the budget and all of these things. Uh, but you know how this works much better than I do. And then, of course, uh, you can be personally involved. But prayer, volunteering, and then there is some giving opportunities too. Thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to hear from some of you. And Linda, thank you so much for making this happen. As I said, I, this has been a church that has been generous, and I learned you have projects that go thousands of miles away, but uh, I love for you to be involved with something that is closer to home, that you are actually connected with, and Linda, thank you so much for your call. I, Linda and I worked with each other 30 years ago when I came from Germany in 1985. My, my first job was, was uh, New Hope, and uh, it was a good, good thing for me, and there was Linda working, working there too, and I had some wonderful colleagues because my, my German was about, my English was about as good as your German, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to become a social worker. What a, what a crazy idea because social workers mainly talk, <laughs> do you know? <laughs> so anyway, I, just, I, I learned a lot from the clients. The, you know, because for them it was really not as important what you said, it was more important what you did. And so we um, have been connected since this time. And thank you for, for advocating for Lutheran Child and Family Services with your group. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both uh, for doing this. And thank you again for your leadership. And thanks Very for having much. me. <laughs> Shall I? There you go. So, yeah, this fits into the mission board um, looking at, you know, we've like Sven said, we've been involved in international things a great deal over the years, and uh, we're, we're trying to get something local going, and then something uh, national, and then, of course, we do international with, like, uh, Pastor Preuss down in the Dominican Republic. So, um, it just kind of fits a plan uh, for our, our mission outreach. 
and way to help others. And uh, Lutheran Child and Family Services is certainly a uh, great institution in the Indianapolis area helping kids and people in need. So thank you. And And now, if I could have Rusty and Sarah come up here, it's time to be embarrassed. No, not really. Nope. Unless you want to make her go alone. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we uh, welcome them into membership this morning in the early service. And uh, this is the uh, Reader's Digest version of the family, because the three boys are probably in Sunday school. So, But if you would uh, just give us a brief how you got here, who you are, and, and uh, okay. yeah, that'd All be right. great. Um, well, uh, several months ago, um, we moved here from Pensacola, Florida. Um, I transitioned from the active duty Navy um, to the reserves, and at the moment, um, I'm doing some additional training for the work. I'm a radiologist, so I'm doing some uh, additional training to, to uh, specialize in pediatrics um, in Washington, D.C., so I'll be there I'm commuting back and forth. And uh, my wife, Sarah, um, this is Elizabeth, our youngest, and then we have um, uh, three boys, uh, uh, age 10 down to age 4. Um, and they're staying here, uh, holding the fort down while I, I finish that training. I'll be done with that in July and uh, come back here uh, on a permanent basis. So, um, Very good. Uh, I guess our tie here, I guess, is uh, uh, Sarah grew up in, in West Lafayette in Indiana, so um, uh, family's here, and that's kind of why we decided to settle here. Yeah. And, and Sarah, your dad is a retired pastor? in the Lafayette area, so seeing him around here too, with him helping her out while Rusty's in D.C. You're getting home about a weekend a month maybe, or not yeah, even? something like that, every six weeks or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, well, it's good to have you both with us, all of you with Thank us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so... Uh, we'll also be welcoming uh, uh, Joel and Mary Davis, probably in the late service. They're not here, in here now, but uh, we'll be welcoming them in membership at the late service, hopefully. So, uh, let us close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you place us to work in your kingdom and call us to be Christians by your Son. And we give thanks for the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. The end times are not here, and we still suffer. And as we await, we ask that you show us ways to help those who need help, and that also we may do that through Lutheran Child and Family Services and help them provide for the needs of those who are suffering in this world. Guide us, give us strength, and preserve us all our days. In Jesus' name, amen.